There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's fantastic to be back with you for yet another week. Um, I can't believe it. it's 418th episode. We're closing in very closely on 10 years on the 3rd of September uh, of, uh, of, weekly, of weekly interviews. And uh, I have to say, I just um, still have as much passion and energy for this as I ever did uh, when I started out. So um, I hope everything is going well for you, wherever you are around the, around the globe. And um, I've just kind of been reflecting a little bit on, on last week's interview with uh, Michael Landers and Tim Dukes. And we talked about presence. And we talked about the importance of, of really being, being present in conversations uh, with people. And we talked about the idea, the, the, the notion of thresholds, how we go through different thresholds in, in life. We go in during a day, we may go through you know, one environment into another, from one conversation into the next conversation. And uh, those little thresholds uh, give us little clues to kind of focus in and, and focus in our attention. Now, my, uh, my wife just um, sent me a little message. My 11-year-old my son, he's just finishing school today. Um, finishing primary school to go to, to secondary school. And he's, I was explaining to him last night about thresholds and how you know, one, uh, one period of his life was ending because he's quite sad about it, but another exciting venture is starting. Uh, so have a little think as you go through um, you know, your, your day and you think about the little thresholds that you're in, 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 uh, entering and those, uh, those new sets of circumstances and the opportunity to really uh, focus and be present in all of them such that you get the kind of results that you want to. Now, my guest today, uh, whose uh, threshold I'm about to enter into, uh, into now is Peter <laughs> Goodman. And uh, Peter, we're going to have some great fun, I think, uh, today uh, with Indeed. Peter. He's, a, he's a, an entrepreneur. Um, he is um, the co-founder and CEO of Aventus, which is a cloud-based insurance operating system that enables brokers and insurers and MGAs to create a seamless buying experience for their insurance products. Um, however, I think you know, that's all kind of, kind of fascinating in, a, in, in a, a fairly technical way, but Peter's got a really, really interesting uh, background and journey. Um, he has a law degree. Um, he felt like he had the world at his feet, and then he's, I think his first venture ended up in, in, in debt. Um, but he went on then to set up several companies, including Brighter Option, which is a, a social advertising platform. Um, he sold that to Buddy Media in 2012, and then subsequently, Salesforce bought it for around about $730 million. Um, so Peter's got from that, because he then went on and worked with Salesforce in that sort of process, he's gained a really amazing 
level of insight into business and growing businesses. I don't know how many businesses he's involved with, but I know there's uh, quite a few in his portfolio. He's got lots of different interests. He's also got an absolutely mad, passionate interest in golf and, and football. And I'm very, very jealous because he's just been to the uh, England-Denmark game and he's going to the final of the Euros in, uh, in, um, on Sunday as well. So I'll be thinking about him um, with a little bit of jealousy on that day. So um, we're going to talk today about networks, about the power of networks and how networks are just so important to the infrastructure within a business, but then the ecosystem of that business with all the, the suppliers and uh, customers and staff, et cetera, making that work really efficiently. And we'll also talk about uh, networking as well as Peter you know, he's really passionate about meeting and engaging with people and uh, developing his networks through his various different interests which have also contributed to his success so a huge thank you and a huge welcome to my guest today Peter Goodman thank you very much thanks for having me much much appreciated you're very welcome so Peter where, whereabouts in the world are you so right now I'm down on the south coast in England. Um, we have gone, come down for a couple of days away in the sunshine, albeit raining earlier, because <laughs> uh, it's England, and that's all we talk about in England, as you know, is the weather. Um, but no, it's been we've come down for a couple of days break, but obviously that break includes a lot of work because when you're you know slightly obsessed as we all are with work, it, it comes with you wherever you are, and that's the day and age of the internet and phones. Right? I remember when we first started, you were. When you weren't at your desk, you were you were away from work, and now basically your desk is in your pocket anyway. So all good. Yeah, excellent. And just to tell me before we get going, what was it like to uh, to be at the England Denmark game on last week? And yeah, it was it was way more stressful than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be honest, it was um, the, the one I went to. The, I was lucky enough to go to the Germany game as well, and uh, Germany for me was there was this just sheer trepidation of being typically an English football fan, you know, where you kind of turn up and, you know, you, you feel like you're going to win, but you, 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 you also feel like you're not going to win. Um, whereas, and halfway through the game, it was, I was talking to my friends and we were kind of like, actually, you know what, I think we've got this. And then, then obviously then you get overexcited and then you realise, hold on a minute, let's not get too excited. Then the destruction of, uh, you know, the game that we played against Ukraine, where we, we subsequently, I think, just played incredibly um, and, and didn't play like an English team would play we kind of played with fluidity and confidence and in Denmark just obviously being back at Wembley was amazing and, and also being out of the house you know we, we are in COVID times unfortunately and you know being in that environment with that much passion and then you know I didn't think we needed extra time I was quite happy if we'd have won it in 90 minutes to uh, relay you know to get rid of some of the stress but then you know it was it was pretty cool I have to say it was a there was a lot of singing there was a lot of uh broken voices the following day and maybe a couple of hangovers but uh yeah it was it was fantastic to be fair it was amazing to be there for that and now i can't wait for sunday so all fingers crossed oh no that's gonna be be amazing and uh yeah sorry to anybody listening to germany and denmark but uh thank you for giving us they've, a they've had their time they've had their time yeah. and we, always say that we need some time ourselves <laughs> yeah, this is about time isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm being a Leicester fan. Our goalkeeper's Cashmere Michaels. I was. Uh, I know you're a good friend with Harry Kane, but I was. Uh, I was the first time I wanted uh, Harry Kane to <laughs> goal past Cashmere. He's a, he's a lovely fellow. So, um, <laughs> tell us a bit. How, how did you? What's your background then in, in terms of your your kind of childhood? And you sound like you've got a London accent. Yeah. Uh, with a what, what, what were you? Where were you brought up? And how did that um, inspire you? To, on this journey to become so entrepreneurial yeah it's a funny one really so we we you know i was born in east london and um two great parents and and 
you know, in typical fashion, I guess, in that time, you know, I'm, I'm 43 years old now. So, you know, back in, I was born in 78 and, you know, we were kind of, we were a, a typical family, but one full of love, but not necessarily, you know, money. And, um, and it was, it was fantastic really growing up. I had a, I had a great upbringing from, from that. And I guess in my, a weird way, like my, you know, my dad was an incredible hard worker in, in, in that kind of story of East London where the parents had a couple of jobs each to make ends meet and, you know, and, and give us everything that we could possibly need. Um, which, you know, when you look back materially, wasn't, wasn't necessarily material things, but everything that you would want as a, you know, a child growing up. And, but it's fascinating really. And I don't know, I just always had this obsession with, 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 with work, but oddly not really doing a lot of it when I was younger, you know, I went to, you know, I had a Saturday job. I didn't really enjoy it because I kind of, I had this real thing about working for others at the time. I kind of felt that if I could do something on my own, I could make more money. And that was kind of how it was, or just be, just make decisions, I guess, really more, more than money. I, you know, cause often, you know, certainly being 16, 15, 16 years old on a Saturday job, you don't get decisions. You just get tasks. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it was kind of like, but I think if I did that task first, it'd be better. And I could do that other task. And it was like, no, no, you, you kind of don't know anything, young man, you do what you're told. And, and then it's never really sat very well with me from a working perspective. I was pretty, pretty well behaved from a parenting perspective. My mum and dad may say different, but, um, you know, I, I think for me, it was way more of, of just just having confidence in my own capabilities, even at a young age, to know that, you know, I felt that I'd make good decisions in my life. And, and um, yeah, and as I grew up, you know, went to university, I think you mentioned it before, I did a law degree and, and I, went, I went to uni and on the basis of that law degree, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Still really don't, if I'm honest, even at 43, who does? Um, and, then, and then for me, it was kind of, what, what was quite interesting was, you know, I decided as I left university, I didn't want to be a lawyer um, or not a practicing lawyer. Sorry, just on the basis that, you know, I just, I just felt that there was there was stuff out there for me. And, and a lot of my friends were going into the city, becoming brokers or traders. And that sounded like a glamorous place to be. And, God, you know, you, 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 you go out of a night and entertain, you make friends, you network. And, and I always looked at always looked at those guys and thought, like, you know, I felt I could have been a good broker. I'd have been a better broker than a trader, I think, from a relationship perspective. But then actually a friend and I had an idea for a business and uh, I just had this kind of thing in me that I thought if, if, I, if I did it on my if we, if we went on our own we could make better decisions and make more out you know create our own destiny and create our own outcome um, obviously being young um, and we had some success which was probably too quick if I'm honest like at the you know, age of 21, 22 we got some big contracts we, we owned an outdoor advertising business that we'd started and and it was fun, but we didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest. You know, we kind of, you know, we'd, we'd pedal from one, one month to the next, have a load of money in the bank, then none, then a load of money in the bank, then none, then spend it, then have not, less than none. Um, and you kind of just learn as you go along that there's, there's change in life. But unfortunately, you know, it does catch up on you if you don't save them pennies in a business. Um, and we, we basically were growing far too quick for, for the industry that we're in, and, and we, we were growing far too not, not wild, but just, just, you know, it's hard sometimes. You know, you get carried away and there's, there's a, a need to kind of show that you're doing well, I think sometimes, and, and maybe you're not as doing as well as you're showing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we got kind of got, we got behind a little bit. And then I was fortunate enough actually when, when in, in 07, when the business kind of couldn't continue anymore and everyone was calling their money in and the bank was calling their money in that, you know, we, we owed the bank some money. And um, again, bearing in mind our upbringing and the cash that, you know, we, we were struggling to make ends meet and the bank called their money in and my mum my mom and dad, I called them and sort of said, um, I'm kind of a bit, you know, struggling here. Uh, you know, but again, we they knew everything about everything. So it wasn't a surprise. It was a surprise that we were struggling, but it wasn't, you know, necessarily, a, they never judged, which was, I think, the key to it all. They never, 
kind of they never expected me to, to to go out and be a lawyer or to do this. They were kind of just pleased that I was working hard, and and it was never through lack of effort. Maybe a little bit of attainment for that at that stage. Um, and yeah, my mum and dad, you know, ironically remortgaged their house and bailed me out. Oh, basically, right. stopped me going, wow. stopped me going bankrupt at the age of sort of twenty six, twenty seven. Um, to which you know you can never repay. Although we've repaid, but I'll explain how. But then. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then I guess to cut that story short, you know, I then went back out and you get two choices, right? You go and work to pay off the mortgage that they were doing or you, you roll the dice again. And I remember sitting with my mum and, and I just met my, my now wife at the time, which was an awkward, more awkward thing than anything because you kind of were perceived to be this businessman and yet you had no money. Um, and it less than no money because you had your parents and, and, me, and my, me and my now wife are out, uh, Sarah, were out uh, for dinner. And I sort of said, I've got to kind of tell you something because I know like on the third date and, you know, it's going all so well. And I was kind of thinking, if, you know, eventually she's going to find out that we can't afford anything. <laughs> so if this, if this has legs in it, which I hoped it did at the time, even after that fewer dates, I was kind of thinking to myself, well, she kind of needs the truth here because it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long lie otherwise. Um, and I told her and she was like, well, I'm sure you're going to be fine. And that was kind of, so that was parked. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we continued, but then, my parents as well, you know, I was lucky enough in, as you mentioned, in sort of 2012, you know, we all decided, you know, after talking to my parents stuff, I was going to go again and just keep pushing because it was, it was in my nature, I felt. Um, and in my, in my kind of um, doggedness, I think, which people, I think when you look at things now, and we'll talk about this probably later, is that resilience and empathy and, and having the ability to become relentless is, a, is, a, is an attribute that isn't a grade on a paper. And I think that, yeah. you know, I had that in abundance and I've still got that in abundance. I feel, that, you know, very resilient to stuff, very relentless in my pursuit of what I want. Um, and you kind of have to be, right? And you're not going to, nothing's plain sailing, right? Nothing's plain sailing. Everything, everything comes with a speed bump or a, or a stumble or a roadblock and you work out whether you dig under it or go over it or around it. Um, and anyway, long story short, again, you know, my, in 2012, as you said, I own Brighter Option, which is the largest Facebook ads platform globally. And, uh, Mike Lazaro, who's a close friend of mine who owned Buddy Media, we we came to an agreement with him to buy the business, um, which meant that, you know, I had enough money then to retire my parents, repay the loan and then retire them. And they, so I called my parents at about 4am in the morning, which always made, I don't know why the story makes me laugh, but when in East London, where, you, where I was from, you'd always say the last four numbers of your telephone number when you answer the phone. So, you know, you literally pick up the phone and say the four numbers to identify that you've called the right number. It must yeah. be a yesteryear thing because we don't have landlines <laughs> anymore, right? Um, and, and you also don't know any phone numbers anymore. I couldn't even tell you what my wife's mobile number is, but I could still tell you my parents' home number. Um, and four of my close friends from school, I could call all their parents now, <laughs> yeah. as long as I haven't moved. Um, anyway, so it was 4am in the morning, we'd done the deal with, with our lawyers and, and Buddy Media's lawyers. And we'd set trusts up for the families and stuff. Um, and for my mum and dad, sorry, and yeah, and my dad picked up the phone at 4am and he went, hello, 6013. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, surely, surely at this time in the morning, someone's on fire, something bad's happened. You don't need to... You really don't need to justify who who's who's calling you now, and uh, yeah, and then I re and you know we had the discussion, and thankfully they've been enjoying the 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 bet that they made on me. Uh, we you know we retired the, my parents then, and they've had a wonderful time sort of being around. But without that, I wouldn't you know you know you need a little bit of support in your network. You can't do everything on your own, and neither should you expect to. But it was uh, yeah, it was a great outcome for me, and a great outcome for everyone around. And we push on, but yeah, my parents are down with me now. We're we're, we're on holiday, and we're very close. Yeah, very good. Well, that's that's fantastic. It's great to hear that um, uh, your parents had a good return on investment, and your wife they too, did, believing yeah. in you. Sounds like uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, we've all done very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, to, good to hear. I'm sure they didn't do it for that, but um, no. Yeah. Well, they didn't know at the time, but they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, they obviously knew, right? Everyone knew at that. You could always look back and 
predict the future. <laughs> so we've got three minutes till commercial break, but I want yes. you to tell us what um, you know what's what does um, Aventus do? You know, what are you involved in now? Um, just to help people understand, and then when the second the break yeah. afterwards, we'll start talking about about networks and ecosystems. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So, so Aventus again, not not being from an insurance background, but having the fortunate. Um, I guess going back to the relentless part of, of being able to sort of traverse industries, I felt that insurance needed technology to to enable it to become more digitally focused. Um, you know, we know that insurance is still very much a, a behind the, the, the curve on on digitization. Um, but I hate the word transformation in insurance. I don't think digital. I don't think digital transformation is a thing in insurance. It's too bigger, too bigger task. Um, but digital enablement is certainly something that Aventus enables. You have digital distribution of products better management of, of customers so you know from a we, we make the data very fluid um and very customer centric and you know as i mentioned you know when 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 salesforce as you said bought buddy media we wind up at salesforce and there was a real obsession with customer centricity you know being a single customer view doesn't really it's still very tough to get that away in insurance because a lot of companies have been either grown by acquisitions so they're set on different platforms and aventus really gives people the chance to consolidate data in the middle to enable that um that that single customer view, which which I feel is uh, is much needed for the digital enablement of companies now in insurance, and basically just to make everything a bit more customer friendly rather than just the business friendly. Which is insurance has very inherently been very good at making money, but now I feel that it now needs to improve its customer service and its customer care. I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. It's it's it's, uh, it's the area I spend the most most time these days in. I think <laughs> we're with ten in, ten insurance clients in the last year. Um, yeah. And uh, I completely agree. There's just so much opportunity. It has been an area where people have made money, but uh, you know, there's so much potential for for some to stand out, isn't there? Through uh, for things yeah. like uh, becoming more customer centric and um, engaging their staff even more, and uh, you know, building building um, you know gr- greater energy around what they do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and I think it's now. I think now people need to. You know. I think. I think. The ones that are going to stand out need to, you know, they need a, the way to do it and move forward without having to build everything themselves. And obviously, after the break, we'll talk about ecosystems yeah. and how those network effects can really affect that. And I feel that's the only way. There's not going to be a one one company wins all in this industry. And should there be, it's about collaboration and playing together. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. So after 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 the break, we'll talk about those elements that Peter referred to. Um, I do want to find out as well if uh, if resilience is something that is nature, uh, you know, or nurture. Um, can, can we can we learn it? We need to need to uh, explore that one. Um, but we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Peter Goodman. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about networks. Before we do that, in the break, Peter was just uh, just saying to me that he'd... Uh, uh, he, he he provided the almost the warm up act for Condoleezza Rice in front of about ten thousand people in uh, in say, Indianapolis. Did you say in the states? What it was, was that like? yeah. Was so that when like? after selling, it was it was very <laughs> odd. So after selling to obviously after Salesforce Buddy Media, they then acquired um, a company called Exact Target, which uh, became the Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And it was funny. I, I, I was about to go on stage. And I was presenting fifteen minutes around what social media sort of advertising can bring brands and, you know, typical kind of on stage. But then I came out and I realized that there was the whole auditorium was full. And this is a big, it was called the connections event. And it was full. I mean, like I was like, no one has ever come to, no one's ever going to show this much interest in social media advertising. And then I was talking to someone, they were like, oh no, no, on after you is completely all right. So I was like, okay. But a bun- funny bit was they, um, I don't know if anyone gets to see this, but I'm, I'm, I'm lacking hair, you know, in my old age, I'm, I'm rather bald. And uh, it was quite funny that, they put makeup on you, on your face. So I'm, I'm looking for some confidence to be given to me as I go out. You know, now now I know I'm opening for for Condoleezza Rice, and you know I've got all quite, quite excited. But obviously the nerves start to kick in, which I think nerves are a good thing for focus, ironically. Um, and then, and as I'm doing it, so the, this 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 lady's like, you know, saying, "Oh, you're going to be great," and applying makeup across my face, and then literally starts painting my forehead because the light will shine off. So now I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm not feeling too confident. <laughs> Literally layers on makeup on the top of my head to like, to, in a nice way, but then kind of looks at you and say, I was a bit confused yesterday, wasn't I? And I was like, anyway, so we went out and I spoke for about 12 and a half minutes. I think I may have got through it a little quick and then, uh, yeah, walked off and then watched Condoleezza speak and it was, it was fantastic. Excellent. Well, I, I'm kind of intrigued you say they're nerves, but um, for some people, 10,000 people would be terror. I mean, yes. <laughs> How do you how do you control yourself? And uh, you talk we talked about resilience there earlier. How do you, you know? Is this something that you that's all innate to you? Or have you are these learnt skills? I think I think a little bit of both. To be honest, I think it's I don't I don't think it's necessary. I think it's people around you giving you confidence to lay it to foul. I think is a is a big part of resilience. I think that not judging yourself is a is a big thing, and 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 feeling. I'm not judged, you know, I think certainly, you know, if you look at business failure, people, I think it's inherently a very British thing. I think in the US, you know, 
people are lucky enough that they they have that kind of you know failing fast is a is a mantra right and a, and a badge of honor and i think england and the, the british Isles haven't had that really i think it's only now that you could you're allowed to make mistakes right, yeah. right? And, and i think in business and, and and i feel that you know when i was growing up at school i was i wasn't particularly confident at school you know i would be fairly nervous reading out loud and stuff and i think you just get to an age when you realize other people's judgment does not matter and actually people don't care about you as much as you think they care about totally. you, right? That's that's something that always gets me. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe what they're going to say about me. It's like you'd be lucky if they even talk about you, let alone <laughs> say anything about you. And I think you learn that, right? You learn in because this is this is where that world where the world can feel very small or very big to an individual. Um, and I think sometimes it, when it when it feels big, it, it's almost worse. I think that you you know people kind of gravitate to their little their little core groups of individuals and then you feel judged within a group of 10 well then how can you go out and and and, and conquer the world if you feel that that if you feel worry in that sort of size group your confidence within your local your you know your immediate friends and family i think is very important and and having that resilience and fun and i, I also think team sports have helped quite a lot for me when we were growing up you know changing and banter and you know uh, you know jokingly picking on each other and stuff like that and i feel like you build up a resilience for 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 that sort of stuff as well, being part of a team. And, and that, that goes to business as well. And I, I just feel that sometimes we can worry too much about what others think when actually they don't care about us anyway. So I think you can, we can worry too much about what people that don't care. It's also sometimes it's not, it's not proportional that fear necessarily with a big no. crowd. Is it? I, I, I um, remember interviewing uh, Chris White, who's a saxophone player for Dire Straits. And uh, nice. we're talking about him standing in, in Live Aid with three billion people watching. And uh, what, was that, what was that like? Um, you know, playing, playing saxophone on the stage with Mark Knopfler and all those people watching. Yeah. You know what? He said, you know, it was, I actually find it more daunting to play to a couple of people. If I was asked to play saxophone yeah. to, to the pub, local pub, I'd be, ter- <laughs> you know, I'd be terrified. But yeah. somehow on a big stage, it's um, not the same. But anyway, full, full respect to you. We better talk about networking. Um, yeah. So, so what's your definition of a network and, um, and what's that relationship of a network in a, in a, in a business to say in this entire ecosystem that we, we briefly mentioned? Yeah. And I, I, so look, I, I think at the moment when you look at, when you look at um, different things, we, we were talking about network. We have, you know, first of all, I, when we initially had this conversation, I was thinking more about individuals and people. Um, yeah. But as we sort of, tra- um, sort of had the conversation more, one of the things that we've looked at with Aventus is that, you know, as a business, you can't build all things for all people as a company, right? So you have to inherently buy tech in. And I think there's always this kind of argument to build or buy at the moment um, from a technology perspective. And if you create... If you create a connectivity in a business from you know all the different departments into one data source, so if you've got the, you know the, the the sort of I guess the single um, truth from a data perspective across a business, you can move that data around to to best serve. You know, if you've got customers coming in on a website or on a call center or on you know wherever it may be, or just a referral program, you want to make sure that everything's being kind of tracked. And we when we got into insurance as a, as an industry, you realise that within insurance, there's a thousand industries within within a, a terminology of insurance and and you can't be everything to everyone but the, the thing that scares me for, for for procurement individuals or departments is that everyone wants to find ways to use technology to their best advantage whether it be you know you look at slack now right Pete slack was uh, you know, very much underused and now it's very used in, in in different departments but it's about connecting those departments and you can only do that though if the if the technology is tailored for the industry that you're in and i feel that there's an opportunity to to stop worrying about building stuff and start buying the right 
um, ecosystem and creating an ecosystem around a core platform, which, and that's where Aventus really came from, from an insurance distribution play. You know, we're not going to be able to build everything. We, you know, we, we, we integrate with most things and we build distribution opportunities and customer management. You know, we've done integrations with Salesforce. We've done integrations with Zendesk. We've done lots of integrations with CRM and customer care platforms because Salesforce is like a $200 billion business and it's built around the core competency of CRM. On what planet am I going to build a CRM? You know, if, if I can integrate and make that work for me as an industry, as a business. But Salesforce out the gate and other Zendesk out the gate doesn't work for an insurance distribution play in its core sense of CRM. You know, they've now got, they're building products and verticals that, that tailor themselves to that. But then it comes to affordability. But if you can create a core offering. So what we did with Aventus is very policy focused, which means it's therefore customer focused in my mind. And then if you want to do marketing, well, then we can log in, you know, we can connect our APIs. And I think APIs is an interesting is an interesting play here. And, and insurance just didn't have any anyway. So, you know, you had big, big, cumbersome technology companies trying to build, you know, big, big um, cumbersome sort of uh, technology companies building everything for everyone, which is fine. But ultimately, sometimes what you need is the nimble middle, which means you can then become a very, very agile, you know, you're leaving the agile core, you can then become very nimble around the outside. And, and for me, ecosystem creation is that what works for one won't work for the other. Now, if, unless those modules are interchangeable, so for instance, one marketing cloud for car insurance might not work for home insurance, for a bad example's sake. So therefore, you should have the flexibility to keep the core the same, but then use different platforms for the different outputs that you may need. And I feel that is how businesses can grow at pace, at scale, but without having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars building everything you want. Because in the end, I think it's the seven bridge in, in the UK where the, the story is, you know, you start painting at one end and then by the time you finish painting the other end, you have to start painting the other end. Yeah, yeah. It takes so long. I feel like building technology inside of big companies is that. I think once you've finished your project, you've got to start it again because the, the code's old, the language is old and the world's moved on. You know, the world, think about five years ago, right? The world has moved on considerably and a lot of these big transformation projects are actually five to 10 year projects, right? So what happens at the end of 10 years? You start again. Um, and, you know, is it going to be where it should be? And, you know, the world has changed. You know, there's companies that are billion-dollar businesses now that didn't even exist five years ago. So, mm. you know, why are we not embracing that innovation rather than trying to copy it? And I think that there's a way of using ecosystems and network effects within that to, to, to really deliver that opportunity from a technology perspective. Yeah. So, so this is about really uh, designing things and um, utilizing systems that give the best customer experience. Yeah, and, and business experience, right? You know, take, yeah. you know and, and I think there's a thing, you know, everyone talks about being customer-centric, and, it's, and I think that was kind of the, the way of putting it. And I read something the other day, you know, but if you're employee-centric, then your customers will be happy as well. So, you know, I think if, you, if, you've, got great, if you've got great employees that are enthralled, then naturally your customers will be happy as well. So I feel, you know, and, and they're, you know, from HR platforms to benefit platforms all these things should be connected somewhere because it's important that everyone knows what's going on in a business if you're in marketing finance needs to know what you're spending why have you got to do a daily report on what you spend why can't the data be fluidly shared with finance and see the outputs and sales and you know development business development and marketing you know underwriting and insurance case you know all these things are interconnected really and pricing departments procurement departments i think there is a but no platform can can, can conquer them all that's why i believe that kind of creating a data network for, for your business is super important. Yeah, yes. I suppose it, all, you know, it also it, it massively impacts the brand and uh, how people feel. I mean, I'm just, it, what, what suddenly came to my mind was I've had a couple of, some notes this week about uh, um, uh, my, my bank that I use for my business. They want um, 
want me to contact them because they were struggling to get hold of me by an email address. Can I ring on this number? On the same bank, on the consumer side, I have a rental property and the mortgage comes to an end next year. And they're chasing me, sending me all sorts of forms they want me to fill out, which I'm not filling out. Um, it's none of their business. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, there's a phone number to ring. So yesterday, um, I spent an hour and 10 minutes on my phone going, trying to ring for the, for the, on the consumer side. And then and I saw before I hung up and then 45 minutes before I hung up on the, on the um, business side. Um, so, right. you know, for what you just mentioned there about balancing with people, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> one systems may be highly effective, but another one is, yep. uh, is not. So oh, we, yeah, we saw this though. We, this is how I got into insurance in the first place because I was in a banking app, right? And um, we basically, I was going through like the buying. So I was, it took me ages to log in. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the bank's name out of it. But, you know, we, it took me ages to log into this to this banking app in the UK. And, you know, you had to go and get your fob and your other fob and yeah. you needed like, you know, color of pants I was wearing, you know, waist yeah. size, head size, everything, right? And it was kind of, and then I go through it and, and, and I, I click on home insurance as a, just because I wanted to see what the pricing would be like. But in mind, they've got all my data. They know exactly what I spend, where I live. You know, they've got loads of different information. Probably know what I've bought in the last four years, five years, mm. you know, with its electricals or whatever, watches or whatever it may be. And, um, it, and then it took me out of the environment I was in, in, in this banking app, put me into like a third-party um, insurance app, insurance environment online. When, and you, I know the company it was because the click redirect shows you who it was and but it's branded up the bank and then it says, what's your name? And I was like, hold on a minute. Like, it's, I'm, I've come from a secure login to this. Now that is poor data fluidity, which means that ultimately the customer's going to drop off. I, I didn't continue. I'm not filling out my name again. I'm not going to. And then he asked me my relationship with the bank. And I was like, but I've just come from the relationship. You know the relationship with the bank. And and that's got what got me into insurance, first of all, because it showed that there was a, a real issue with data connectivity between customers that are trying to sell third-party products. Now, bank insurance is a huge industry in the UK. I mean, I'm, I know that's just massive in the States where, but you could hide that. You could hide that incapability of those networks and those, and those ecosystems being connected because I'd go into branch and I'd start, you know, you'd ask me, have you got any home, you know, what, do you want a home insurance quote? And while I'm talking to you, I can rekey my name, my address into the insurance quote platform, right? You can't do that online because the, the branch, which I feel is now the app, you know, the, everyone's banking app is their, technically their branch as branches close. You need to have like that kind of data then and the, and the, and the, and the sharing of information, obviously very uh, compliantly with GDPR and stuff like that in Europe, but that's not a problem. You know, we, we actually did an integration for a customer into a banking app where you ask, their, you ask them to pass the information. You click yes, which kept it compliant from a GDPR perspective, and a, and a quote popped up. It's not that, you know, it's just, technology and ecosystem um connectivity which was the problem and i think connectivity both you know for, from, from a technology perspective and also from a personal perspective is really really important i think that you can get lost sometimes in over complicating something when the simplest thing is in front of you which basically says pass my name my data give me a quote not questions was really where events has come from yeah do you, th- do you think i'm a kind of intrigued here now in that these kinds of systems are often going to be I suspect designed and implemented by people who are quite left brain and very de- very detailed, uh, and actually it be, being being less so in my nature. Um, I do I do feel that um, by being sometimes over detailed, over complicated, the computer says no. Um, kind of mentality they they lose the customer um, and and, yeah. and and damage the customer journey. Um, well, they lose, they lose, they lose, they lose the momentum. That's the problem. Yeah, right? I yeah, think for yeah, me, yeah. when you're selling something, 
You lo- if you lose momentum of a purchase, and this is what we've seen though. One thing I would say about insurance is sometimes it does need a person on the end. It does sometimes need someone to give some kind of subjective, you know, uh, you know, give, give a view on it rather than it be sort of clear. And, and this, this is what was interesting with us. Like within, within our platform, which I, which I like, is that we, we, we built something called digital underwriting, which takes you from, you know, if, if it can't quite qualify you as a yes, it doesn't say no, it says talk, you know, it will take all of your answers and give it to an agent and call you. But then the agent has got all your answers and knows where the ifs or maybes are so they can jump to the point rather than have to go through the process again. I mean, I've done it a million times where I've filled out something online, called them up after and I have to start again. Okay. They've never even seen you before. I've been, but in a shop, I've been stood in front of you for 20 minutes trying these jackets on. And all of a sudden now, because I left the shop for two minutes, I come back in, you can't remember who I am. So, you know, for me, it's super important that, that online and offline, I feel is where the market will go from an insurance perspective and that connectivity, you're right, that momentum of purchase, that that is what really keeps us engaged at that point. And some things are complicated. If I've got you know, a, a vast collection of things or even if I've got, you know, I just want to understand what I'm being insured for, it, what, what I quite enjoy is that you go through that process, but you shouldn't have to start anything again. Rekeying of data for me is the biggest no-no now in industry. You know, I can buy something in Amazon, as we all know, one click and it turns up the next day. Right. And I don't even have to put numbers or anything in anymore. And it's so easy, it's scary, but it has to be closer to that than it currently is, I feel, insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this and your systems are, are very clunky, um, it's worth buying this, you know, bearing this in mind. You know, I'm, I'm thinking it might, my mind has just gone to uh, telecoms firm <laughs> to probably keep, yes. um, you know, uh, mental health lines like the Samaritans <laughs> in business. Um, you know, certainly I've been close to wanting to give them a call after, you know, trying to get things like broadband and fiber and things like that, you know, uh, over the years and, uh, and, and issues fixed from uh, multiple menus through to being moved from department to department to hour, hour long wait times to it's just chaos. Um, there's got to be a better way. And I think there, and I think that's, I think that's becoming, and I think that people, and the thing is that you have to give credit to these large companies as well. They're so big, they're not easy to, it's not an easy thing to maneuver and just swap no. in and out, right? This is, I have to say, having seen a few from the inside out as well and, and having worked on some projects, you know, these things are big decisions and, and these businesses, they, they, they do have the customers at heart. They just can't always prove it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. something that's super important. Yeah, yeah. And no, I think that's probably, probably fair, but, but, but from the outside, it's quite hard to get. Yeah, of course. Fun, isn't it? No, absolutely, absolutely. Very difficult to see. But I know that no one wants a bad customer experience. It's just sometimes they're not able to deliver a good one. Yes, yes. Okay, so we're going to get to commercial break again now, and uh, after the break, I'd be interested just to, uh, you know, a, a, a top tip or two in this area for people to think about. But then, it's also you're 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 obviously brilliant at things like, uh, you know, business networking. I'd love to hear your your thoughts on about how you how you've gotten in COVID, but also how you, you advise people to uh, to ensure they keep on building new relationships. So Absolutely. Again, with everybody in just a couple of minutes. Cheers. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Peter Goodman. We're talking about the power of networks. And uh, um, I thought it was a helpful session before the break, just thinking about, about networks and ecosystems. Maybe I might be a little bit more tolerant with people now being listened to when I'm you know, thinking about how difficult it is to ch- ch- change ecosystems. But, uh, um, but, but Peter, have you got a, you know, for, for companies who need to enhance this customer experience, um, thinking about in particular, do you have a couple of sort of key key points or tips or recommendations that people should seriously consider? Yeah, I, look, I think I think the the one that we've seen work the best in terms of proof points is to try 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 in stages. You know, iterative improvements is better than you know kind of fundamental failure. And I think that we we looked at um, you know we've been working with a couple of companies where you know we're not actually even in their core core business. We're working on the periphery to show them the art of the possible. And I think that's the bit that, that's the bit where I think people don't do enough. They don't take enough. They don't kind of investigate it on the small side. They go through like years and years of project planning and, 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 you know, kind of writing it all down to the point of, you know, that they feel that they can't go wrong instead of actually just trying and testing stuff outside of their core business. So, you know, we, we're working with companies that are launching smaller products on the outside of a big, you know, insurance business because we can do it quickly and we can, you know, show them the power of digital enablement and we can show them the power of Aventus plus Salesforce plus other things. So we can show them, you know, in this very siloed department, which is not going to affect their core business, which I think is key because there's a lot of fear, right? That you, you, and again, we, we can't, it's very easy for us. And I've, I've spent my life doing it, you know, criticizing the big and the great because of the fact that, well, hold on a minute. Why can't, if you've got, you know, you're making so much money, you can do this, but you've got tens of thousands of employees, you know, organizing them into the same mantra and the culture will change that it takes. And it's not easy, but mm-hmm. if you can, break a little bit off and we even going back to brighter option the way that we won that industry was to convince people within large organizations to test us kind of like what slack have done right slack started off very much by giving certain departments the chance to use them and then you know go into other departments to use them so it wasn't about you know a win all it was about gaining the trust of individuals and gaining the trust of departments and and i feel like when in insurance we're doing that we're gaining the trust of of departments that might be running a certain project or a product showing that it can be done quickly and effectively. And then this is what you get at the back of it. And then you can, you can then go, you know, you can then move aside and, and, and kind of, you know, we call it land and expand, right? As a business, our side, but actually I feel like, you know, land and expand works for, for buyers as well, you know, buy a little bit. And then if it's, if it works, 
And it might not work, right? That's, that could be the win as well. You know, finding out that something is not right for your organization is just as powerful as finding out that it is, I think. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, on that note, let's just change the conversation slightly and talk about net, networking. Uh, and uh, you've got, you got a pretty interesting network from our, our conversations with some uh, fascinating people, people uh, uh, within it. Uh, how, um, how have you managed to sort of continue to build connections during this period of COVID? And what are your, what are your recommendations for people moving forward? I think, yeah, and I, and I think business has been interesting. So we, we, we entered lockdown on the 23rd of March. I know the date it's the day before my birthday, which subsequently got cancelled. Um, I'm not bitter about that, but <laughs> I didn't have two birthdays in lockdown. Um, but, but, you know, one of, one of the things that, that stood out for me was that people were suddenly willing to talk, right? And it was a weird one. Like people, you know, being able to connect with individuals was very easy, I felt, in lockdown because everyone had so much time on their hands, no commuting, no travelling. Everyone was kind of sat in front of the screen and, and I felt that the, connect, the connection with individuals, if you were willing to put yourself out there, was much easier to attain. And, you know, I've made a lot of good, uh, you know, I've made a lot of good business connections. You know, I actually, ironically, a, a gentleman I call my friend now, you know, I, I met him on Zoom. I, you know, he's helping us with, with some bits at Aventus. I only met him for the first time about three weeks ago. And another one that helps us with a business that we own, you know, I, I actually played golf from last week and he was like, and I, I forgot we hadn't met. It was weird. Like, you know, and, 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 so you can make contacts and, and, and gain, I would say, relationships, you know, via Zoom, as, we, as I have done in, in that. But I think that you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and you've got to be willing to, you've got to be, this is not about pay, immediate payback. You know, I think that you, when, you make, when, you, when you make connections with people in business, it's not about immediate payback. It has to be about value exchange. And I think that's, that for me is something that people forget. But if I do you a favor, you've got to do me one. That's not how life works, right? No. You do people, you, you should help people out of the, because you can. And I think there's a big difference in, in watching the clock, right? And if you watch the clock too much and you wonder what you're getting out of it, I think you're kind of on the path to foul anyway. Because, you, one, you're going to be disappointed because people aren't going to, you know, in your mind, you're not going to get the value you think you're giving them. And, and I think it shouldn't be about that. And I think that I've, I've seen so many business relationships evolve over time where actually, do you know what? Like, we haven't done any business together. Either way, I've brought them nothing. They've brought me nothing. But the conversation sparks a thought or it, or it sparks an intro or it sparks an idea. And I think that can't be underplayed where, you know, you can learn off of anyone. I, I learn off of certain, I, love, I learn off my kids, right? And, and if I can learn off them, then I can learn off anyone in business. And I think that, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's the open-mindedness of, of, of assisting others and really getting under that matrix. But you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You can't, you know, you're not going to make, you know, you're not going to make connections if you don't talk to people. And I think that is the key. And people are always too worried about the time. You can get a lot of, and, and you have to identify that early. You become, and to be honest, the more people you talk to, the better your judgment of who you talk to. You know, it becomes a honing exercise as well. You know, you do know the ones that are in it purely for themselves and accounting and scoring. And they're not the ones you want to be friends with. I think, you know, the, the, the connectivity that you want is the open connectivity of where there's no assumption of exchange of value. And it's about, you know, interesting people and i mean you know we've been covid's been really weird because i'm an, you know i'm inherently an outdoor not an outdoorsy person but i'm inherently someone that goes out does lunches does dinners you know plays golf is event driven and goes and watches people and goes and catches up with people and more and stuff like that and, I, and 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 it's been weird right having sat at your desk and in looking at yourself for you know for, for, for 18 months but the one thing i would say about business is that one thing that we have, I have noticed, and I, I actually put a post on LinkedIn ages ago about this, about I think the salespeople have been the forgotten 
um, you know, I think salespeople have had a kind of an issue in COVID way more than people give credit for because, you know, engineering, albeit, you know, you want to share ideas can be done in isolation. Selling is a personal thing. And, and, you know, if you, especially if you're software selling. So we, we opened up, you know, a huge pipeline of opportunities in events. There's over 100, you know, opportunities in pipeline. But closing deals is not easy because you, the assumption when you've gone through the demos and you've shown them the platform and they buy into it, and they're like, yeah, this is great. This will work for us. But then you've got to find a way of doing the emotional connectivity. And that yeah. is hard through Zoom because at the end of the day, there's lots of systems that will say they'll do it. But actually, you've got to believe in the people that are going to work with you. And I think that belief can only really be gotten out of the conversations that aren't work, the conversations around the business. And obviously, they're on bigger deals, smaller deals. You, you don't necessarily need the emotional connectivity. But I, th- I think salespeople have been the forgotten victims of COVID in, from, a, from a working perspective because they're used to going out and meeting people. And, and now they're sat on their desks for eight hours a day, not knowing what to do with seven of them because they're normally out and about. So yeah. I, I think it's been harder than people realize to actually get big deals done. But deals have been done nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. And, and something like, um, you know, your, your kind of, kind of offer, um, when suddenly everything's thrown up in the air and, uh, you know, worries, you know, we're sending people home, um, are, are people, some going to be in the office, um, some of our clients have gone a bit quiet and that, that kind of thing. And it's, it, it yep. was quite disruptive, wasn't it for a, a period of time. And, and I imagine your, your projects have got a, they're not usually a quick sale, I imagine. It's a, it's a as you say, yeah. a developing relationship and there's some understanding and there's the developing, the client probably doesn't know their spec uh, no, of what they want no, to buy. Really. You, you know, you've got to help them to, to build that, really, the brief often before you can uh, deliver a solution. And, and it's a trust-based industry, right? Like, you know, like most industries are, you know, you have to, you have to gain people's trust before they'll put their business in your hands, right? This is not, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're selling, if, if you're enabling the new selling of products, ultimately, you know, you know, they've got a trust that you know what you're doing. Now, it's all fine showing it on the screen, but really it's that inherent, are you going to deliver for me is the question that you get, right? You know, that in their minds must be. And, you know, we, 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 we lost out on a couple of deals which we didn't lose to another party. They, just did, they ended up doing nothing. Um, and I feel annoyed at that a little bit because I feel that they would be now they'd be live and seen reaping the benefits of a digital enablement project, but because they kind of couldn't, we couldn't get in front of them. Like you know, we weren't legally allowed to go and meet, so this is not something that you know we've been lazy about or couldn't be bothered. We legally weren't allowed, and I think that just put the handbrake on a lot of stuff um, because I feel that we could have proven it face to face a much easier trust benefit that we could have got the deal done. So I think I think COVID has been very interesting for that, but. I think the nurturing of networks is something that's very interesting. And, and, and you know, I look at, I look at um, some of the business individuals that I've, that I've met over the sort of course of the last sort of six, seven years. And, and I look back at, you know, what we do and what we've done. Half the time, it's just, a, it's just engaging with individuals. Like, I think it's such a big thing. And, and, and not everyone's for everyone. We know that, right? You know, and there's, there's always that thing. But unless you put yourself out there, you're not going to meet, you're not going to meet the ones that can help you and or who you can help. And I've, I've probably made, the secondary friend, if that makes sense, has actually probably been stronger than the initial friend. I know someone you need to meet. And then you do meet, like, you know, we were introduced by, by a third party, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was because they know, pers- like, people that are good networkers know the personalities that will fit. And I think that if you can, under- if you can then assist in them personalities getting together, it's not about you, you as a networker, it's about networking in general. And I think that, you know, something there is where sharing your network with others is the absolute key to it all because, you know, if, if people try and manage the relationships between individuals, you actually can't do that. So therefore, you end up introducing no one. You know, we've been left to engage and speak quite frequently. 
by a friend that introduced us, you know, through, through no benefit of him, you know, not benefit at all, just said, like, you guys will get on, and we have. And that's what I find most interesting. You should always be willing to introduce people that you like and engage with, who you know will engage with others. And I think that is a secret to networking. I agree, isn't it? And if you, if, if, uh, you, you know two people, they trust you, you trust them, and, uh, exactly. you know, it's, it's, it's a much better way to meet people, isn't it, than exactly. if, if you, you, you trust somebody and you trust that that referral than it being cold it, it, it makes Absolutely. it easier doesn't it you can it does you can it uh, does move so i've just noticed we've only got um, a couple of minutes till the end of the show have you got any final oh, message, quick. message or message <laughs> you'd like to leave us with just, just... no look, look i think for me and, and and you know i think we touched on it very much at the start sorry my eye keeps again um we touched on it very much at the start i think i think the key for me is that you know believe in the process right believe in yourself i think is that is something that that i kind of was lucky enough to have early enough and and yeah, even if the path isn't as smooth as you think, don't 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 deter from it because I feel there is a, there's a win in everyone here. Yeah, yeah. Thank thank you. I've really enjoyed hearing your story. Um, you've inspired me with your um, uh, with your res- resilience and your confidence to stand in front of ten thousand people. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, full of makeup. Is that warm, warm, yeah, full of makeup, looking slightly orange, probably. Warm, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. You've been the warm up act for Condoleezza Rice. That's pretty exactly. Um, <laughs> and and I think this, this 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 concept of thinking about your your networks and, and helping them to be more customer friendly, uh, more effective, more efficient. It's, you know, and how you come across digitally it all impacts your brand. Um, yeah. It all in, in, impacts your service and your potential future business. You in, investing you into future business. It's all it's all really really Im, important. One final um, very important question. I need an impartial answer to this. Um, yes, we will. Point? It is coming. Huh? <laughs> 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 I know what's coming, and it's coming. Home. No, listen. I think I've, look, I, I think we get it done. I really do. <laughs> I can't wait for, for the hangover on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, if you're Italian, I do apologise for that. Um, yeah. but um, apologies. <laughs> not that. Not that many. Though. they've had. They've won way more than than than, than we have in their, in their time. I think we deserve a little bit of time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I so to find out any more about Aventus, you can go to www.aventusplatform.com. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-S platform.com. Anywhere else you want to send people? No, I mean, if you go check me out on LinkedIn, check me out on, check me out on the LinkedIn and yeah, connect if you need anything. And yeah, I'll, I'm pretty responsive. Fantastic. Next week's show, we've got a, a fabulous gentleman called um, Paul Burton. Um, he has a, a, a company called Sea Coach. And we talk, um, I, I pre-recorded this because I'm on holiday next week. Um, great interview. And uh, we talk about um, being in business, making sure that you're not making assumptions about uh, what's truly going on. Uh, and then the following week, Simon Severino. Simon's um, uh, f- first guest from Austria. He's got a business um, which is uh, about uh, doubling your turnover in 90 days. And there were some great tips in that. And I took quite a lot of notes myself. Um, so I recommend that one too. You take care. Have a wonderful, um, a wonderful week or two. Any questions, comments, love to hear from you at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Once again, a huge thank you to Peter Goodman from Aventus. Thank you for having me. Cheers, guys. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more.
Chibo. 